Hey guys, brand new podcast. I'm sitting here with Goofball McGee, Isla Kreischer, who tried to get out of school today. Be quiet! Don't talk about that. Oh yeah, can I read this to you, Halston? This was the text I got sent. You ready? Be quiet. This was the text I got sent. I did have a headache. Hold on one second. I got this text at uh, 8.13 in the morning. What time does school start? 7? No, 6.50. 8.13 in the morning. Hi, can you pick me up? And then I wrote, you just got there, baby. Mom and I think you should give it a while. And then Isla wrote, okay. I took Advil this morning before school, but it hasn't worked yet. Can you pick me up <laughs> soon? <laughs> and then I wrote, mom says, go to the nurse. If the nurse thinks you should go home, then mom's cool with it, okay? And then Isla wrote, no, I'm not going to the nurse. I'll just die at school then. <laughs> And I wrote, I don't want you to die. Please don't die. And then I wrote, Mom wants to know what kind of flowers you want on your coffin. <laughs> and Isla wrote, shut up. I said, I'm sorry you're not feeling well. Mom says if you go to the nurse, then... If Mom says if you go to the nurse, then I can come get you. And then Isla wrote, okay, I'll go at nutrition. But you never went to the nurse. I did. And what happened? She oh, gave that's me an ice pack. And then, oh, you sound very aggressive right now. <laughs> Maybe. Lower your tone. Dad, she gave me an ice pack. And how bad was how bad was the headache? It hurt a lot. But w at what point did you go? I'm going to tough it out. When I knew there was no getting out of it. Okay, you need to look at that no getting out of it at the beginning of school and go. I'm not getting out of this. Uh -huh. I'm going to bear with it and muscle through it. Uh, yeah. I thought there was some way of getting out of it if I by guess. texting dad. Yeah, and not texting mom. Yeah, because mom just makes me go to the nurse, and the nurse sees me like once a week. So. It's interesting. When me and you and Georgia need to have a conversation about the way we talk behind mom's back about how mom's going to react to things. Okay. You're afraid to talk on this, aren't you? No. <laughs> okay, we're gonna have a have a conversation about that. Because I got a text from Georgia that was very similar. What? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Georgia just sent a text at 2.13. You ready? Mm-hmm. Are you home? I didn't reply. I forgot my leggings for softball and I need them. Another message. Dad, are you home? And then she wrote, seriously, I forgot my leggings for softball and mom will yell at me. I don't want to talk to her about it. So then I don't think that's fair to mom. But she will. No, she won't. Yeah, she will. Well, I just talked to mom about it, and mom, mom, mom wants you guys to fail a little bit more than you are. No, but I'm failing a lot. I have F's in not science. not in school. I love. <laughs> <laughs> Body shots world tour is continuing this weekend. It is in Durham, Charlotte, Atlanta, Orlando, then Tampa, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Vegas, and then on to New Orleans, Austin, and Dallas. That is all of February for you. I but think, wait, you can't forget San Francisco. Uh, I'm not forgetting it. It just wasn't on the schedule, Isla. I, but you can't forget Texas. Washington, New Jersey, Philadelphia in March. Salt Lake City, Denver the following week. And then Green Bay, Milwaukee, and... The other thing. The other thing. What is it? What is that? What city is that? It ends on April 1st in Minneapolis. And then we're going off to Europe. Let me real quick read you the Europe dates if you're 
in uh, in Europe, it is Bath, Hackney, Glasgow. Hackney? No, no. It's Brisbane. No, Brighton, Bath, London, Glasgow, uh, sound like Stockholm. Products. No, Manchester, Stockholm. Never mind. Just, I'm sorry, guys. I'm really bad at reading. I don't have my glasses on. All right, go and go get your tutor, okay? No, but my tutor's not going to be here in like five minutes, so I still have some time. Okay. Is there anything you want to talk about? We're celebrating Chinese New Year's. I gotta get the fuck out of here. Let's just read through these copies real quick. I'll read. I'll read ads. Okay. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Hopsy. Hopsy is one of my favorite gadgets ever. I say gadget. It's more than a gadget. It is a life supply tool. A lot like uh, a lot like Krups. Oh, it's made by the people of Krups. A lot like those coffee pods you get. This is just for beer. All you do is you get a pony keg a mini keg it's about six beers equivalent to six beers and there are micro brews from all over the place you get this fantastic machine that sits behind me if you ever look on my podcast my hopsy is always in between me and my guest it's that little mini keg and you put your little your little mini beer in there it's like six beers you throw it in it keeps it cold and then you have on tap beer who doesn't love on tap beer ilo yes do you not love on tap beer well i have two things no i do not like on tap beer. you've never had on tap beer and and uh, hopsy would not stand by you Talking about ever drinking on a podcast. Yes, Isla. Okay. Um, I think they should customize it as a little barrel because, you know, the beer comes out of the barrel. So you think what Hopsy could take it to the next level by taking these Krups machines yeah, and, then and like, maybe turning one into a, a puppy? <gasps> or a... Like a puppy peeing out the beer? That would be so cute. Yeah. Well, I think they'd make them for men or oh. like women, like oh. grown-ups. Oh. Yeah. Anyway... It's super convenient. The, it tastes fantastic. And I, lo I love having a beer out of a nice pint glass. And <laughs> and Hopsy has a ridiculous selection of beers. It is basically the Keurig for beers. You have your own beer at home with the sub. The sub fits for me right in between me and my guest. And they ship these mini kegs directly to your house or your office. So this is a great thing to have at your office. You know, you get end of the day and you're like, oh, I wouldn't mind a nice ice cold beer. Oh, I want one of those every day. It, Isla, you do not want one of those. Not, I don't feel responsible sharing beer a beer ad with my daughter. Although you've seen dad drink beers and isn't dad a better guy when he has a beer? No. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Go to hopsy.com slash BurtCast and use the promo code BurtCast to get the sub home draft home machine. Two mini kegs. There's the equivalent of two six packs, two hopsy glasses, and a free membership in the monthly beer club for $99. That's tryhopsy.com to get their home submachine, two mini kegs of beers, which is two six packs, two hopsy glasses, and free membership in the monthly beer club for just $99. That is try, H-O-P-S-Y, dot com slash BurtCast. Use the promo code BurtCast. Terms and conditions may apply. And once again, me having my daughter on this read does not advocate. You must be 21 years old to use hopsy and enjoy hopsy. Um, thank you, Hobsey. I really, I really do love my Hobsey. Yes, Isla. Um, what is the H O P E? Is that hoops, hops? This podcast is also brought to you by Toyota Untold. Toyota has launched their own podcast, and I think this is fucking phenomenal. I've been waiting for this my whole life because everyone has a story about them in their car, and all Toyota has done has has drawn an avenue for people to share their amazing stories that include their Toyota. And their emotional stories. It, it's this Toyota is not just a car company. This podcast 
isn't just about cars. It's about mobility. It's about overcoming challenges, making dreams come true, helping people physically, socially, and emotionally, finding solutions, responding, finding respect for people and continuous improvements, and about sustainability, triumph, facing fear, celebrating life, and rethinking what is possible. What is Toyota Untold? What will you hear? What behind the story sto- stories will you hear? How a son's love for his mother led to Toyota's unlikely origins as an automated loom company. Why and how Toyota Tundra was used to tow a space shuttle through the streets of LA, which I remember watching on TV as a child. What drives the team at Toyota's members to keep them going for so long? How robotics, other advanced technologies, and mobility services are being researched, developed to address challenges for the elderly, disabled, and even Olympic and Paralympic athletes. I'm telling you, man, my favorite one yet is the story. Yes, Isla. Bye. Are you going to go get your tutor? Yeah. Okay. About a, how a d- young dyslexic child found her tutor in a Toyota. No, that I'm just sounds kidding. sketchy. That's about you. That's like a well, white van pulling up to the, hey, come well, in my van. Isla, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> the tundra that protected a man in the parasite, Paradise, California, as it burned around him and kept him safe so that he could help others twice concept to production i love you we're going to sandy's tonight I knew that. concept to production what goes into design for the future and so much more from advanced technology to the olympics to space shuttles to natural disasters discover how toyota is rethinking mobility in the brand new podcast toyota untold you can find the toyota untold right now on apple podcasts spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts this podcast is also brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace has taken my business to the next level. It is a place where you can build beautiful websites to turn your cool ideas into a website, showcase your work, publish your content, sell products like me. I sell all my merch. My merch sales have almost quadrupled since we started using Squarespace because you're building it yourself. You can decide how you want it done. I personally believe that part of what has made me successful is that I'm a huge fan of shit and I know how I want shit done as a fan. Like I, I remember going to Chris D'Elia's website and going like, God damn it. I like that website. It just seemed like super smooth and easy to navigate. And then Leanne, we got Squarespace. Leanne, who knows nothing about computers said, I think I'm going to try to make a website. I'm going to make your website first and then I'm going to do my own podcast website. And she started it with Squarespace and I told her, I was like, Ooh, you know what I like about this one? And I showed it to her and she went, I can do that. And she did it all. Leanne Kreischer used Squarespace to make our website. Um, right now, check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code BERTCAST to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com and enter the code BERTCAST. I'm telling you right now, if you are a creative person, an architect, uh, a fine artist, a graphics designer, a furniture maker, restaurateur, have a bar, have a clothing line, do hair, do makeup, run a gym. Are you a coach? Are you a trainer? Are you an athlete? Are you a lawyer? Are you a consultant, a gamer, a real estate broker? I feel like I'm reading a Dr. Seuss novel. You can make all this a reality by using Squarespace. All those dreams are great ideas until they have a website. Once you have a website, it is a reality. People can find you. They can hire you. You can make money and double, triple, and quadruple your business. 
That's once again, go to squarespace.com, check out a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code BERTCAST to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. Enter the code BERTCAST. Today's podcast is with one of the happiest people I've ever met in my life. I'm a giggler. I love gigglers. Look, I talk about myself in the third person a lot. Oh, I'm a consumer first. I'm a fan first. I'm a giggler first. If anything else, I love giggling more than anything in the world. And Fahim Anwar is a giggler. We giggled for how long is this podcast? Two hours? It's about a two-hour podcast, and we did nothing but giggle. He talks about his parents leaving Afghanistan. We talk about uh, Lance Canstopoulos, which is his alter ego, which you'll hear in this, I did not know was him, and I was enamored with we talk about one of the interesting things that has happened in this business is you know as stand-ups blown up you've seen smart dudes i've always said stand-ups are smart dudes but you've seen smart dudes in smart um lines of business like uh like brooks whelan was some sort of engineer multicultural not multicultural some bio and bio company i don't know Fahim anwar worked for boeing (laughs) He was, I think he was down in San Diego just driving up doing stand-up. On, and then he talks about quitting, which I think was fucking hilarious. It, it This is such a great fucking podcast. And it's just a lighthearted fun. Look, don't worry. We're not getting bogged down in politics in this. We just giggle. Um, he's got a new special airing on Comedy Central called There's No Business Like Show Business. Did you hear uh, did you hear Halston read it to me? <laughs> he's got a new special on Showtime, uh, no, Comedy Central called There's No Business Like Show Business. And he's got a, a, a series with um, one of my favorite people, kind of a sleeper favorite person. I, I didn't know how much I'd dig this guy. Uh, I forget his name. Uh, hold on. It's going to come to me. going to come to me. Hassan Minaj. He got a, he's got a thing with Hassan Minaj. By the way, I'm pronouncing his name wrong, and someone told me I'm pronouncing his name wrong, and they said it's because I'm dyslexic. They're like, oh, by the way, it's because your brain, uh, that's how your brain reads it. I don't know what anyway, but Hassan Minaj, 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 I don't know. I'm fucking it up. And by the way, he's not even on the podcast. Anyway, they've got a great series called Goatface, which is kind of how they all started. They were all doing sketches. He is absolutely fucking hilarious. What a real joy to comedy. Really, just a bright light, positive, fun fucking guy who is just put on this planet to make you giggle and to keep airplanes in the sky. But he's just giggling over airplanes. Ladies and gentlemen, today's birdcast, Fahim Anwar. This is was the meeting here everything was here i oh. do everything out of my house now it's pretty dope dude it's the best I've, i stopped have going everyone come to you well it's you know i think most of the people live in the valley the most people that work in the business so it's like oh yeah i'll do a meeting at your house at two and then and then i'm done for the day i didn't know there was a jones on third in the valley i'm like oh this yeah is hollywood here dude jones on third is the best yeah dude i used to know joan the actual so, joan so, so the jones the original jones on third was a small place my buddy Croy, my buddy Cy worked there. They worked behind the counter and made sandwiches. And so I was brand new to LA. I would just go over there every fucking day and have lunch because I get free lunch. Yeah. And Joan and her two daughters worked there. One of her daughters had a crush on my buddy Croy. And uh, and one time I was there and I was so comfortable there, you know, that it's like I'd go there and have lunch and then I'd stay there until they got off lunch and then we'd were off work and then we'd go eat drink. We got done. We were eating lunch there one time, screwing around. 
And there's this girl writing in her journal. And I just go up and I start flirting with her. I go, uh, what you writing? And she gets so pissed. And I, in my head, I don't even realize what I'm doing. Yeah. It was Reese Witherspoon. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and she's just going through that breakup with Ryan Felipe. And timing. When, wait, where did you grow up? Seattle originally. You, I mean, the burbs, but no one knows Linwood or Woodenville. So I always say Seattle. What's, what, what was Seattle like? Uh, like for me in the burbs, it was kind of like white and Asian pretty much as growing up. <laughs> you know, there weren't a ton of Afghans out there. That's where my parents are from. Where, where were your parents from? Afghanistan. Afghanistan? Yeah, yeah. For real? Yeah. Have you been for like USO stuff? No. Have you? Uh, no, I think I had the opportunity to, but my mom and dad were just like, we got out. Why would you go back? Wait, when did your parents get out of Afghanistan? Like, uh, my dad came in the like seventies. Yeah, so yeah. this is, your dad was... So we, when, when, I don't know, not that you're going to remember this at all, but when the, all the drama was going on with Afghanistan and Russia, right. was your dad like, see my dad, he came, he came to school here and then I think he was getting like a math degree and then he went back home and then he could kind of see the way the temperature was happening in the country. And he's like, let me go back to America and get an engineering degree while he was out here. And then, so it was before it started to turn, you know? And then he sent for my mom. He knew my mom from Afghanistan as well. And then so she came to America. And they Did they date? They dated before. I think they just knew each other and yeah, knew each other in Afghanistan. And oh, this is. I hope this doesn't sound disrespectful because the word sounds disrespectful these days. But only an immigrant would go. Let me just go get an engineering degree. <laughs> like it's such a. It's like like the people that have come to this country uh-huh. have fucking busted their ass so fucking hard. And they're the problem. I have with these immigration policies is where you go, and not, not everyone, obviously not everyone, but every time I hear someone, oh, and then my dad uh, didn't learn, who's, I just had someone on, he goes, my dad didn't know English, but he um, he figured out uh, molecular bioengineering <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Th- and had to learn English for that. So anytime he talked to me, he only knew the words that were in his spa- I'm like, I, do, I don't have that resiliency. I think there's just like a beautiful ignorance to to like um and because you don't know any better as an immigrant you know so you could do anything there's no ceiling really i think sometimes when you grow up like even me being american and being brought up here you think the world is a certain way and like you kind of talk yourself out of doing something just based on oh that's not how they do it or you, you think the matrix is the matrix and you can't break out of it like getting but when you're up. an immigrant like like yeah i'll move here i'll open up a yogurt land i'll open up a subway <laughs> like they just see all these lanes yeah these these blinders they just have like blinders on they don't get bogged down with this the luxury of just growing up somewhere you know yeah yeah what, what do you what do you did you ever talk to your dad about what he would be doing had he stayed in afghanistan i don't yeah i don't know what he'd be doing i think like ultimately you know the dream for for every like brown family is just like doctor so i think uh that didn't pan out and like engineering is do they have lazy people in Afghanistan? I'm sure they do. There's lazy people everywhere. Yeah. How could we never meet them over here? Because like, they don't. The lazy ones don't make it over. A, you like, know. Fuck it. Come to a no country. I'll sell. I'll sell used tires. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever fucking makes sense. What? Um. Are you an only child? No, I have a brother. He's three and a half older, and he's a dentist. So really, took a lot of the pressure off me. You know. Really. Yeah. If I was the older brother, I don't think I'd be able to do comedy. What what language Afghan do you speak in Afghanistan? Like Farsi, but poorly. Like I don't speak it very well. Really? Do your parents speak it? Yeah. Do they speak? Did they speak it to you growing up? That's the trouble because when my brother was born, he wasn't speaking until kind of late in life. So they just like really. And the doctor said, "Well," and my dad was just speaking English around the house. He didn't really care. And then the doctor, because he my brother wasn't talking for a long time, the doctor said, "Like oh, he's probably being he's probably confused between English and Farsi." 
you should probably just like speak English around the house. So that's what was going on when I came into the world. And then my mom tried to teach us Farsi when we were older, like when we were 10 and stuff. But it's like the wiring is already yeah. kind of set. And then it's like taking summer school or something, you know, like in the summertime, my mom would try to teach us Farsi. But I see my kids playing, you know, my friends playing outside. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to learn my language. We're in America, mom. Get with the program. <laughs> <laughs> when did you realize you were not like what? what at what age did you realize? Oh, I'm not like the other kids. I'm, I'm, no, I'm the. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not Afghanistan. I'm not, an, oh, I'm not a regular Afghan. Afghanistan kid. I'm a. I'm a fucking American. Like you're. You're one of the more American guys I know. Yeah. What? I, the one. I'm, I don't want to lose this line of conversation. Sure. But one of the things I think is cool, and you've witnessed this, uh -huh. is there has been, and you're a part of this entirely right now. There's been a real blossoming of allowing uh, different. Um, ethnicities and and religions and and people from different countries just a regular old voice it's like, pretty great and it's um but you were here when that wasn't it yeah you were doing stand-up when that was sure. not allowed. it's kind of tough too just like you know like i've been in the game 16 years i started in seattle doing stand-up out there and yeah my parents are from afghanistan and that could be a card that i play on stage and just talk about, and that's a lane, you know, and it yeah. can kind of be a fast track lane because something I've noticed about um, playing to a certain ethnic group or whatever is you can rise very fast, but the ceiling is kind of low because people love inside jokes, you know, like if yeah. I do, and I never do it, but if I were to do like some impression of your dad, no, I'm just saying like, uh, I just hate doing shows that are all one demo. Like if it's like an all black show or like an, like an alt show or like an all Asian show. Cause it's just very one specific point of view. That's what I love about the store. It's like a cross section of America. There's no realer sample of America than like the OR or yeah. like the main room at the comedy store. You're going to get conservatives. You're going to get Australians. You're going to get, and if you can make that room laugh, it's very magical. But when you do say like, if I did some like Persian show, they're just going to want to hear like, Oh, why do we always drive white BMWs? Am I right? Oh, what's up with Baba being like, you know, Baba, be like, what, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, dads and shit. Yeah. I love that. But they just want that like, oh my God, that's so true. Because it's so just us. like this inside joke. It's, it, it was almost like, it was almost like there were, they were underrepresented in media. So if anyone referenced them or, or acknowledged their existence, that lit everyone up. Everyone was like, oh, he's talking about us. Sure. And now just, I think, yeah. and now I think it's like almost like people go, yeah, we've been, we've done that. But we were also we also eat at McDonald's too. I think it's more powerful because oh, look, I could have gone down that lane. I don't think I actually could have just because my comedy brain doesn't work that way. Some yeah. people do, and that's fine. But I think it's more powerful when you can like when you can be a regular at the comedy store where I see guys like you or like Rogan and Burn. It's a slower burn. Yeah. But when when you're in the zeitgeist of just Americans in general, I think that does more for Afghans and people of color and just like people Middle Eastern background. When you're mainstream successful than if you're just doing like an like a Muslim American association thing at a college or like a, a wedding, somebody's wedding or something. Yeah. But I have noticed with uh just like when I was growing up Eminem, I remember how big of a watershed moment that was. Like he was the first guy that was taken legitimately. Like Vanilla Ice was kind of like a one off. Yeah. You know? But Eminem was like, okay, like this is a thing now. And now years later seeing like you could be anybody and have a rap career, you know? It's kind of refreshing. Yeah. Like Rich Brian, he's Asian and, and like people don't care. Like you can you can look however you want and make it in rap now. Yeah, that is kind of cool. It's kind of cool and I but I think you know what I think it, it what you acknowledged which I think 
I'll say Burr mm-hmm. acknowledged early on is that slow burn's a better career. Yeah, you don't realize it till you're like later on because yeah. when you're a young comic, you want it yesterday. And God. you know, it's just you hard to say, no "Hey, wait." Idea I remember how much I wanted it yesterday. Oh, I know. I, you know, I'd be uh, Bobby was like one of the first headline. Bobby Lee was one yeah. of the first headliners to kind of like champion me, and you know, we'd we'd be at Dantana's or or like Greenblatt's or something. And when you're a young comic, you can't really you can't see the timeline very much because you have a limited scope. But Bobby has been in the game for a long time, and he would always assure me, "He's like, you're fine." Yeah, and like I would take solace in just seeing how comfortable he was in saying that but I just kind of had to trust him with that because I'm like I don't know I don't feel that way but he'd always be like you're gonna be fine those moments I remember I remember sitting on my toilet in my in our apartment and I was talking to Matt Frost who was my booking agent he's at CAA now he was my booking agent I think he was at New York Entertainment at the time and I was like Matt you don't understand I need work I need work and he's like dude relax one day I'm going to be calling you and you're going to be turning down work. And I was like, the, that'll never fucking yeah, happen. It, I was yeah, like, Matt, that will never fucking yeah. happen. He goes, no, trust me, it will. And we will laugh about this moment right here. And then one time he called me and he was like, he's like, so what do we do about this gig? And I was like, I guess I can't do it. <laughs> and he was like, remember I told you this would happen, you idiot. But it, then you go like, wow, it's, it, I guess it, you, if you do trust, if you do work hard. Yes. Like there's a. I've always shit on Kevin Hart about the working hard ethics. I'm like, well, there's a lot of other, like, you can't just go, I'm the hardest working man in show business. You, like, I've said this, and I don't mean disrespect to Kevin, but he should say, first off, you got to work hard. Second off, you need Cat Williams to bring a gun on a plane. Third off, you need Chris Tucker to find Jesus. You need Dave Chappelle to go to South Africa. Uh-huh. And then you got to be a really hardworking guy also. <laughs> Part of it is, yeah, stars aligning. Like you gotta, Stars aligning. You got to be in the game. You got to be working on your craft day in and day out. And then it's almost just like to be ready when your number gets called. Dude, a, I remember going to Montreal one time and I was old. Like, I, man, there's so much of this that I feel like we talk about in this business and people that listen don't really get it. But like, People normally go to Montreal in like their twenties, thirties. Oh 30s. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's like yeah. that's everyone's first time like in Montreal. Early, like on par is like early twenties. Yeah, yeah. I remember being in Montreal at forty, and it's the first time I ever went to Montreal. Were you doing new faces, or what were you doing? I, I, you know what? I think I was doing like, it was when Undateable was big and Delia was hosting, and it was it was probably like a new faces. Oh, okay. But I'd already had TV shows. I'd already had deals. I'd just never gone to Montreal. Yeah, and. I remember sitting backstage, Segura's doing like a gala. Um, uh, Jimmy P- Carr, Jimmy Carr, Jimmy Carr has just started coming around. Uh-huh. And I remember being in that room going, there's two ways to look at this. Number one, I can go, what the fuck is happening with my career that I'm just doing Montreal now? Or number two, I can go, if this is my opportunity, I am so fucking ready. Oh, yeah. Like, I am sure. like, I'm so, I've been headlining on the road for a solid 10 years. This is... And then I watched some kids in there in their 20s really fucking nervous, shaking, and they do their set, and you'd be like, oh, none of those are jokes. They haven't been doing comedy long enough to realize yeah. that that may work in an alt room, but like with your friends there, I don't mean alt, I don't mean to shit on the alt scene. No, but like, because your sample size of shows that you do is kind of limited. Like maybe the show, like you just get in where you fit in. And when yeah. you're a younger comic, maybe you're doing this bar show or this... So it's not uh, like a true sampling of when you go and do a show in Montreal where it's like regular working class people and stuff. And yeah. so it's a different environment. And I think doing it as long as you have or I have, you kind of know how to adjust. You can read a room and be like, 
okay, I got to do this. Yeah. I know. Oh, I'm going to need a, oh, I'm going to, this room's a little dead. I'm going to need a real setup punch joke at the beginning. Yes. I got to like hit Bef- him up top quick. And before then- all I can just go, oh, all I can do is tell stories. You know, like that's the crazy thing about. We, how, we can audible. That's the thing, dude. Sometimes I've just audibled. <laughs> just oh, an, an, an hour of audibling. <laughs> Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> Wait, when did you? How old were you when you started? I was eighteen. Eighteen in yeah. Seattle. You didn't go to college. No, I did. Where'd you go to school? University of Washington. Where's that? Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> UW, man. Come on, man. We're Pac-12 champs. What is it? What is UW's uh, mascot? Uh, the Husky. Yeah. Okay. I know UW. Yeah. Um. Who was who was in your like who was doing it in Seattle at that time? I'm an OG. That's the thing about starting like so young is that I'll name guys and they started after me like uh, Jeff Dye, yeah, um, Andrew Slater. I'm trying to think who else out here. Adam Ray. I don't think he started in Seattle though. Uh, Nick Thune's from Seattle, but he didn't start out there. He did it out in LA. He was doing music in uh, yeah Seattle. I always think it's so crazy when people like stand ups go, oh, I started in LA. I'm like Jesus. How did you get oh, stage time? I started in New York. That was fucking tough. Yeah. Well, you, at least there's a lot of places to get up in New York. I yeah. just feel like there's not a lot in L.A., especially when you're like a, a beginner comic. Or I don't even know how you feel comfortable fucking failing that much with so many. Just yeah. When you're going up on a show and it's like David Spade's following you, <laughs> uh-huh. and you're like, <laughs> I do it. I'm like that at the store sometimes. No joke. Oh, I, nowadays, man, with the lineups like on a Tuesday, it's like Burr Rogan. Diaz. Tuesday's the most Marin. fucking show. You're like, I wanted to work on some shit, but I guess I'm doing my Tonight Show. No, but you are different in that you have always taken big swings and big chances. It, yeah, I guess. It, uh, it's harder now just because the store's in a renaissance and the lineups they have. So if I'm going up at a certain time, like in the meat of the show, I, I'm a little more conservative with how much new stuff I'll put out there. Really? If I want to work on some stuff, I'll, ha- I'll ask Adam to put me on like later in the lineup when I just like found out that was a people. thing or he's like I was like yeah dude this is tough I'm trying to work on new stuff he's like then why don't you just go up later when no one's around and yeah I was so like, he, like uh, Adam would always say he's like you and Ari Shafir are the only guys who ask to go up later <laughs> dude I I'm always at like the the I'm because I never call in for spots because uh-huh. if I I'm on the are road on the road a lot and I'm busy? on the road so fucking much that when I'm home I literally have Monday Tuesday Wednesday to be with my family mm. and if I talk to Tripoli or someone and I'm doing the main room, then I'll call in for a spot in the OR. But for the most part, I'm not just going to... You figure if you're already there, why not bounce into the OR? Right. But if I'm... And, and this is going to sound almost like bullshit uh-huh. in our business. But I also feel like if I'm not working on new stuff, I don't want to take away a spot from someone who could work on new stuff. No, I I'm get that. I'm not going to just go that. in there and do stuff I know works. Yeah. Like that's... I'm not trying to get pussy. No, there. it's like you already know it works, yeah. and that's what the roads for. It's then it's kind of like work if you're just doing the hits. Yeah, I was doing when I was working on my, this new hour. I was in the oh, I was doing spots all the time. I do the trifecta, the fucking that's the best yeah. belly room, OR, oh. main room. Because by the time you right hit there. the OR, you're like dialed in. Oh fuck yeah! And you're like, oh, I've tried this joke twice. I know what's working on uh-huh. it. But but for right now, I've got a new hour. I, I there's. Um, I've been meaning to call in because there's a couple jokes I want to find out if they're really funny, if they're my fans funny. I see. Um, I wonder what that's like. That's very cool that you've hit a point in your career where like you have people coming up to see you and you have fans and stuff and they're like, I might have a little bit, but when I do the road, it's this weird, Burr always talks about it like back in his day about like killing an obscurity. Where you're like, you're no like, better. You're there's like a, no better feeling. You're like a great comic and everything, but these people are just coming up to see comedy as an art form. They don't know who the fuck you are. You know, it's just like, hey, it's Saturday, babe. Let's go out. So it must be so cool it's, where people come out and they're like, Bert, we love you, blah, blah, blah. And 
but it's, I guess there is the cool other thing and it's hobbling. Yeah. So like a lot of guys can get lost in their fans. If they, you don't have these great equalizers like doing the OR and knowing, all right, is this funny, funny, or is this my fans funny? It's the OR. The OR because the main room. If you go to the main room, a lot of times they are there to see Rogan or Burr, and they will know me by default, yeah. and so they give me the benefit of the doubt. I see. Um, in the OR, it's there. I literally will have maybe if any given night, maybe four people will know me. Yeah, and I'll be like, and and a lot of people will just be shaking their head like. <laughs> Like I give it that work, but that's what's so great, man. It's just the most honest room. Yeah, yeah. It's it can be you. You see guys who get lost in it. Like I. That's why you. That's why you got to. One of the things I love about Chris Rock is when he got so big that everyone knows him. He would go up and just do straight material. No. Oh, he didn't add anything. Yeah. He, no I, energy. I just read. Just say it. I'm uh, my wife. I get the big chicken bone. I remember one of the first times I saw him work out in the OR. He just went up. He had a like a yellow legal pad. He was sitting on the stool, and he was just like throwing ideas out there, just kind of getting them out there. It was he wasn't like prancing around the stage and adding the Chris Rock to it or anything. Yeah. And it was just very cool, as a comic, to know that oh we're all the same, and it's all a process. He does what I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not gangbusters out the gate every time. It's just that's what we see when someone is at such a high level. Dude, my 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 epiphany was um, with that because you you know you get to a place where you're you're doing uh, your act and your road so much and you're struggling in your own art that you look at other guys and go, oh, they must be fucking just it's just pouring out of them. I was in Dayton one time. I was getting paid. Doc was writing my check and. Uh, and Dave Chappelle walked in the into the office when I was getting paid. Mm-hmm. Just walked in. He was like, just bullshit. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm a fucking. I'm having a hard time writing. I can't write anything good. Can't write anything new. And I'm like, I'm like, I literally, yeah. I think I literally said, you're Dave Chappelle. And he was like, yeah. And I can't write anything new. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that happens to you too. Sure, I it's talked great. to I, I talked to Attell on the phone yesterday for like 45 minutes. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything. I don't have anything that's good right now. And I'm like, Dave, the thing you just said to me on the phone, I use that. Like, he said in a 45 minute conversation, he told more jokes in that conversation than I think I have in my act. <laughs> like, he just was like, boom, 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 dude. But yeah, I think getting lost in in how do you go about writing new material? How do you go about coming up with things? It's tough. It's changed. Like uh, when I first started. It was like a script, you know? I mean, it's just a very novice thing to do when it was almost like I'm reading a monologue kind of. I would like literally write everything I was going to say yeah. long form and I would just kind of be reading it like on a teleprompter in my brain, which is not good for stand-up because stand-up's all about connecting with the audience, making eye contact and like I've, being nimble and stuff. I've done that where you're going through it in your head. You're like, I think I missed the line. <laughs> yeah, it's like literally someone is like scrolling the teleprompter in, yeah. your, in your brain is... And you might have some jokes in up there, but you're not connect- connecting as a human with the audience. And then over time, you get better at it and more comfortable on stage. And then it would be bullet points, kind of, I would write down. Then I had like a marble notebook in my back pocket that I would jot some stuff. But now I just have Evernote in my phone. It's, What's Evernote? It's like notes on your iPhone. So anything I update on my phone, it'll update on my the same thing on my laptop. So if I make an, an edit on my laptop, it'll update on my phone. They sync with each other. Uh, getting that right now. <laughs> sure. On my app store. I've been, <clears throat> I've been writing them. I've been speaking them into my notes on my iPhone notes. I see. And then are you able to pull it up on your laptop too? Mm, sometimes, maybe. Because I like being, sometimes on my laptop I have an idea and I want to do that and it'll just go to my phone without having a... 
Oh, it just mine, sinks. I've never, I'm never on my laptop enough to write anything on my laptop. Uh-huh. It's always on my phone. And so, uh, I just like having the option. Mostly I'm on my phone too, but now it's shorthand. I'll just write a few words to capture the idea. And I'm just good at living life and recognizing an idea and jotting it down. Uh, I, I, yeah. I wrote the joke yesterday. Um, I think I'm getting, starting to get woke. Because uh-huh. I just I just stopped speaking in the uh, in the black guy persona when I have sex. Yeah, like with, that just stopped happening when I have yeah. sex with my wife. <laughs> but I wrote that in a meeting, and I, someone was like, "What? What, what are you giggling at?" And I was like, "Because you know what it is. I I gotta be dead honest with you. I'm not. I am not. I'm like fucking 1995 woke. Like the most woke person <laughs> in 1995. I'm that guy, dude. You know what? I was just thinking like, you know, how everyone has bloodlust and tries to attack everybody and shit about like not being woke. Part of it is you can only be as woke as the year you're in. Like we're in 2018 right now. And even the wokest person right now, in 50 years, he will be Hitler. Yeah. You know? In 50 years. Like, dude, I'm telling you, like back in back in the day, for as progressive as like the most progressive white person thinks he is, like, I think, you know, blacks should be able to drink from the same water fountains as, as us. And be like, what if one of them dated your daughter? I'd kill him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like their wokeness has limits. Can I tell you, this, this is, by the way, I... I was walking through the South and I saw something reminiscent of this, of the civil rights time. And I thought for a second, and this, and by the way, I've, I had really horrible thoughts. I thought, man, I kind of wish they had kept one of those racist water fountains, like blacks only, whites uh-huh. only. I wish they had just kept one so we could see it. See what it's like? Yeah. And then I was like, I'm oh, like- I think that was the whole point of the civil rights is get rid of the, all, them all so no one felt less than. Dude, I used to have a joke. I go, you know who really hated civil rights? The guy that made water fountains. <laughs> they cut his business in half, literally. Like overnight, they're like, That's all hilarious. right, they'll all drink from one. And he's like, I was selling them two at a time. I have a fucking yeah, yeah. house and, and a horse. And, and, and what if it was a black guy? You know what I mean? Like, so he's torn. Like, sure, it's great, but it's cutting into his bottom line of like Dude, selling twice as many water fountains. I, I, but then I, uh, but what was I about to say? But yeah, that, but I have those ideas sometimes where like, have you ever seen old, um, old racist art? No. So, oh, I, I actually make some of them. <laughs> I have an Etsy account where I, I sell some of my, I call it new racist. It's kind of my spin on an old tradition that's been passed down from my dad. To, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's my, like playing the blues my now. Grand, my grandfather was very racist and then, you know, he passed it down to his dad and now I'm the racist one and. And I, I create art. It's a lot of wood art. <laughs> it's a racist wood art. We're getting into wind chimes. We. I was taking the, my family to Yellowstone. Not Yellowstone. Yellowstone? No, uh, Yosemite. Okay. And there was a stop of a place that had... It's since, it's since gone. There was a stop of a place that had like... Uh, like um, uh, pastries and 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 cheeses and fruits and wines it's like a it's like a great general store and i walked into the bathroom and then it was all racist memorabilia <laughs> really and like the like you know like the the sambo eating a watermelon oh, just yeah, like yeah yeah and i fucking but it's so in a weird way i got so excited because i saw it mm-hmm. that i was like Oh my god! This is like—it's almost forbidden. It's almost yeah. like seeing porn. It's like and and then going—they don't even know that you're not. And I was taking pictures of all of it, and now my phone's filled with racist artwork. And I'm like, I gotta get rid of it on my phone. If someone finds my fucking phone, they'll be like, look what this guy's. Are into. they just so naive they don't even see it for that? Or? There's a there's a whole generation of people in the South that go, oh, that's not racist. That's just our salt and pepper shaker. But it's it's like an mm. Aunt Jemima and like a and like a an Uncle Tom as pepper and just like. 
and that's what there was a lot of that. I remember seeing it. I remember seeing it in. That's so. That's so weird when like, like racist hallmarks like that or racist art is tied in with nostalgia, because then you maybe try to tell someone that it's racist, but it stirs up all these memories of their childhood and everything, and it, and it feels like an attack on their childhood. It does. There, there was on. This is. <clears throat> Like, I can't believe I'm referencing this, that I remember this, but there was a wife swap where back when they did that TV show, Wife Swap, yeah, you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where there was a black lady going to a southern house and then the southern lady going to the black house. And the black lady was offended by the kids' dolls. The dolls were like old racist dolls. Yeah. and But that was like something they gave in their family was one of these dolls. And the black woman wanted to throw away their dolls. I think that was it. I'm gonna probably paraphrase. Sure. I'm sure someone's gonna remember it, but I remember they were like, the the kids were like, "You can't throw away me, Ma," and they're like, and she's like, "They're offensive. That's racist." I think that stuff. I was I worked with this gay guy. We were in Italy, and he was like, we were walking down the we parked. We were gonna go on this like canyoneering thing, and they had set up this like table full of like, like you know, pocket knives and. And like uh, whatever you'd whatever you'd have, but one table was all Nazi memorabilia, and he bought a ton of it. And I was like, oh, like of course you can buy it. You're gay. Like no one's gonna accuse you yeah, of being like a yeah, racist. Yeah. And I was like, not that I wanted it, but I was like, I could never buy it. I, I know, in my head I it was automatic off limits. There's just certain things. Like I have a joke about like how like one of the things about white privilege people forget about, or you know, there's 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 common tropes of white privilege. But for me, I'm saying like. Uh, you can have whatever conspiracy theory you want. You're allowed to. And everyone's like, well, yeah, you can have that. Whereas I, I can't be like 9-11 was an inside job. <laughs> you know what I mean? They'll be like, nice try. what kind of information do you have? But, if, but if, you're, if you're white, you could have any conspiracy theory you want and society's okay with it. Like you're allowed to have that. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. 9-11 was an inside job. I can't job. say that. I could be like, jet fuel can't melt steel beams. <laughs> Here, slow it down. Slow it down. Minute. <laughs> that's that's so funny. Yeah, I'm, I am starting to recognize. I mean, it's more for the joke. I'm not one like you guys don't understand how much privilege. You, I'm not militant, you know. No, no, no. I'm I'm starting to I'm starting to not and it's super problematic because I think that my fans, I think people that are fans of mine, are also fans of Burrs and they like the they like the white guy that digs his heels in the ground and goes. It's great. I love. I'm it, not man. moving. I, I I watched uh, Ian Edwards special last night. You yeah. know, we were oh, yeah. in Long Beach and it's Bill Burr presents. So Bill Burr did a, a set before Ian and brought him out. Like it was a great intro. Yeah. But it was just so fun to see some stuff, his newer stuff I haven't seen for a bit. Oh, dude. Yeah. So funny. I, I, and, I, and he's one of the type of guys though, who has the, the social currency and equity as a comedian where he can talk about some of the things he's talking about. If he weren't Bill Burr, I think it'd, like lesser comedians would get roasted. Did you see him on Sarah Silverman's show? No. Was it great? It's uncomfortable. Oh man, I gotta watch this. Is it on like YouTube? Sarah, I think. Yeah, it was on. It was on. But uh, people love Bill because he's a common sense guy. You know, like it's you know being as woke as Sarah has to be. Yeah. You know, and being the person she was. Sometimes you build yourself into a woke cage. She's there right now. I, I think. I mean, I don't uh -huh. mean I like Sarah a lot, right. but she was someone that we all loved, much like Amy, because she just said whatever the fuck she thought, and if it was sure, funny, it sure. played. And, yeah, and it was like, and it was comedy. The trouble is too is like once you kind of go down this crazy woke path, um, 
the slightest infraction or deviation from this brand you've built, your fall is even further from grace, you know? Or Dude, look what happened to Amy. Yeah. I mean, with Amy, I think the problem was she, her and Sarah, I think they lost so many fans of people. And I'm sure they would both say, we don't care. We're now woke. We are a- uh, allies and activists and comedians third. Mm-hmm. Um when I'm, if that's their path they want to take, that's great. I think I just got in to do comedy. I don't, I don't think I ever came in like I'm gonna slide this back door so I can be a politician one day. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in ever being a politician. I don't want anyone to ever take me seriously. Yeah, like I, I yeah, I'm the same way. I kind of like you know I might have whatever beliefs I have believe, but it's it's kind of just comedy first, and sometimes that other stuff can. Uh, I don't want people to not like me for this reason and then judge the jokes that are supposed to be silly for the sake of silly based yeah. on this other thing that doesn't matter about this. But does that make us cowards that we're not willing to like... I don't know about cowards. Our... I think we just have different priorities, you know? Yeah. Like we're... Yeah. Because I'm not willing to state my beliefs on a fucking poster board when I do stand-up. I go... My stand-up... I keep thinking when I when I write a joke and I... Some liberal guy asked me... I wish I remember that guy's name. He had such an impact on me. It was one interview and he was like... He was like, are you all right? And I was like, huh? <laughs> and he was like, well, you... I mean, you seem like you're all right. You seem like... And I was like, how? I was like, I, wait, in my head, I'm going through my... Mind. I go, robbed a train. I fucking talk about shit about my kids and my wife. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, no. And he goes, but I think he was saying more to the point that I look it. So uh-huh. I should be it. And then I was like, well, Nate. And so I got really cognizant of going... I would hate for someone to come into my show hoping to have a great time and then go, oh God, his he's really kind of alienating me politically and now I feel like he's attacking me a tad bit. Like, yeah. that's just me, for me. Right. And sometimes, like, I did a one-hour special and I talked about Islamophobia and but only, like, three-fourths of the way through my set. So it's all just silly, regular stuff and if I want to make a point, I just want to kind of, like, jab and move. I don't, yeah. don't want to, like pound people over the head over it it's like here's an alternate perspective this is just my pov as a brown person growing up in america something maybe you not may not have thought about and it's kind of fun to do it. there's a way to do it just for my comedic sensibilities where people could warm up to me who might have opposing political views and be like oh because they already like me leading up to it just by doing regular stuff yeah you can kind of be strategic about an opposing point of view and not sit in it for like an hour I don't think you have to sit in, I don't like, and especially online, mm-hmm. you know, what's so crazy is I started realizing that, um, all our bosses technically, what, are, what would be our bosses, all the people that run studios and networks, they're all very, very, very liberal mm-hmm. and vocally liberal. Like vote. And I think they're also older. Uh, maybe I don't, but I was like, Oh, there's this one guy I follow and I won't say his name, but he's like a pretty successful actor. And he's never tweeted anything interesting. Mm-hmm. Just everything's super aggressive against Trump. Mm-hmm. Like super aggressive. And I was like, this guy literally just eats and breathes hatred for Trump. And then I, I, I went to a meeting and I, someone brought his name up. And I went, yeah. And they're like, we love that guy. We love his politics. And I went, oh, that also is just him getting more jobs. I mean, it's, sure. it's probably his politics. But it's just him just going like, like this is brand friendly. You, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, like. I don't know. It really, I mean, obviously you could probably just hate the fuck out of Trump, but like he eats and breathes it. I wish I could tell you yeah, who it was. The part of it is as a comedian too, is like, there's just so much of that that it's almost like hack at this point. I would it, never it, tweet anything political. Uh-huh. Like I, tr- as a matter of fact, I tried to figure out my timeline on Twitter because I guess not timeline, but you know, when you go into that, 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 
uh, Magnoscope. Oh, yeah, yeah, The Magn- Explorer or whatever. The, yeah, the ex- Twitter Explorer. Um, mine is all filled with stuff I don't really care about. Huh. It's all like, uh, I mean, not to be shitty, but it's all like transgendered rights. And, and I'm like, oh, it's cool. I'm definitely for it. But sure. I, does anyone play football last night? Like, Yeah, it'd be cool if they could kind of cater. Like Instagram does a good job of doing that. Like Instagram knows all I want to see is like golden retrievers Dude. and skateboarding videos. Skateboarding and, videos, and f- boat launch videos, <laughs> and fight videos. That's it. Yeah, like somehow Instagram just knows what I want to see. Instagram so that, has me dialed in. Yeah. They're like, I bet you would like <laughs> a guy skimboarding from a dock onto a wake of a boat. Would you like that, Bert? I'm like, I fucking love that. <laughs> yeah. Do you are you into a boat launching in Greece? And well, I'm like, yes, I am. Fuck Instagram. Yeah. I, dude, I have so many boat launching videos. Yeah. And I, Twitter just tells me. Twitter just literally just feeds me politics all day, and it gets me upset. Sure. Like I, I get into it, and then I'm like, I, I read it like the transgendered boxer that just won transgendered male boxer. Uh huh. Did you read about that on Twitter? No. So I didn't know which way it went. So it was. Uh, Thank you. I didn't either, and I I wish they would just. Make yeah, you're, a wait, you're like, should I be mad about this or is this great? Is this inspirational or should I be enraged? Dude, on that article, I got, I couldn't, and and by the way, that I think, I mean, not to like, not to shit. I'm just being honest right now. Yes, this is a very Twitter tight has, rope you're on Twitter right now. Twitter has silenced, tread lightly, tw- silenced so many of the of the fucking lunatics from the right uh-huh. that you're just seeing the left side. And so then when I see the transgendered male boxer, and I go, wait. And then so, all I see is this is so great, so brave, so awesome. I go, hold on, is this? I don't mean to be disrespectful, but is this a woman fighting dudes, or is this a dude fighting women? Right. And I'm like, I don't know the verbiage. All I know is that everyone agrees with it. I need someone. Sure, like musculature or whatever. Say yeah. Like is he on DNA is wise. he on steroids to get that body? Like. I need some more information. I need I need an opposing view. <laughs> You're like, I need some more information before I can celebrate this. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> before like, I can call this person brave, I'm I like, need more Should info. I be turned on because he is not wearing a top? Uh-huh. And should I be looking at his nipples and looking for breast structure? Like, what should I be looking at right now? And I was so... And then I just was like, why am I even fucking in this rabbit hole of this transgendered male boxer? Like, I go, I... This is... Great, I guess. Was it was it a when you read the article? Was it a formerly a woman that I don't transitioned know what that means. into? Yeah. Ah, okay. It was a woman that transitioned into a man, and I guess beat a man. So I guess then that's brave and that's inspirational. It's man. really brave and inspirational, but I didn't know because it was the other get, way around. <laughs> like, I get, yeah, I get it. I get them mixed up. I get them. Transgendered male means it's a a guy who was once a woman, right? Born a woman, identifies man, transitioned into a man, and so I I didn't know which was which. All I hear is like. This is so brave. This is so amazing. And then I'm like, and then I'm like, wait, hold on. Did a dude just beat up a chick? And then, and but there's no, there's no opposing views. Yeah. Like there was one. No, I'm gonna get off this subject right now. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like once you say a buzzword, there's like a, a shot clock in the corner as to how long you can stay on it, dude. And we just don't know the nuance of the community. So what sounds like ignorance is ignorance because we don't know, and it's not I because heard, we have any ill will. Please don't crucify us. Yeah, we mean well. I heard um, a debate at the cellar one time between two comics one being rich voss and Uh another being a very great comic and they were debating the holocaust (laughs) what point counterpoint it was for or against it was so funny i know that you're not supposed to laugh at the debate of the holocaust but it's like but it's two comics it's two comics and it's in private so and it was so and i was i was I was laughing so hysterically, but I was like, this guy was providing a counterpoint to Voss saying the Holocaust had happened. And this guy was like, 
I think your numbers are screwed. <laughs> and it, but it was so funny that I was like, but, and there was no hatred. It was just two great comics just going back and forth at each other. And I was like, I was like, I wish Twitter was more like that. Like uh-huh. just friendly banter where it was like. But I think that's what's great about podcasts though is you can kind of understand context, nuance. Whereas with Twitter, people attach a lot of their own. There's so much projecting that goes on on Twitter. And I was saying to somebody, you know how sometimes you send a text to somebody and they misread it. And you're like, no, I didn't mean it like that at, at all. Twitter allows you to do that to thousands of people at the same time. Yeah. So it's just, it's bad. Dude, I got in trouble. Not in trouble, trouble, but like I got a lot of people coming after me and then commenting on any video I posted or anything I posted because there's a hunter that I like. I won't say his name, but mm-hmm. there's a hunter I like. Just like a, a hunter? Like yeah. a. It's one of Rogan's buddies. Okay. And so I posted a. I didn't know hunters were so big that you could just be like a fan of a hunter. Oh, there's. A, I'm a fan of I'm, two I'm hunters. A, I'm a fan I'm, of three hunters. I'm a, fan, I'm a of fan, this, fan of four hunters. I'm a fan of this gatherer. You're, <laughs> into, you're into hunters? I'm, into, I'm more of a gatherer guy. Four, five hunters. I have five of my favorite hunters. I'll list them all. I don't for know any. Hey, what? Uh, yeah, I got a Cam Haynes, Joe. Joe Rogan, <laughs> Remy Martin, Remy Remy Warren, uh-huh. Adam Greentree. What are and, weapons of choice? And Steve Rinella. Uh, arrows, arrows, guy? arrows, guns. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, what about, I want to hunt with ninja stars. Dude, I just follow <laughs> the weirdest fucking people online that like I have nothing in common with. My daughter said to me the other day, she goes, Dad, these people would not like you. <laughs> that's, a, that's harsh. And I was like, well, they'd love me. And she was like, nah. Dad, look at them. Like, you're talking about men who go out and provide their own, like, you, 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 all you do is just you go to Vons. Yeah, I go and barely, and then I go. It's about a week old. I'm a, a date says it's fine, but I don't trust it and throw it away. Yeah. Like these are guys. She's like, they're so different than you, but you're obsessed with them. I love, like, dude. I watched today. She caught me watching a video of David. Goggins and Cam Haynes uh-huh. uh, working out together. D- David Goggins, you know who I, he is? I watched the the Rogan with him. Yeah, what an interesting guy, man. What a fascinating, fascinating. guy. Dude, he was yelling. He was doing... Um, this is what is wrong with me. Many things. But this is number one. He was doing a push-up. I'm going to fucking play the fucking <laughs> clip because it fuck. I got in my head and I've been saying it over and over to myself. I will definitely talk about this on Open Tabs this week. I was saying it over and over to myself Non-stop. Where is it? Cam Haynes. Uh, oh, it was right here. Cam Haynes, David Goggins. Listen to what he says over and over to himself. I could not get over this. I've been saying this over and over in my head. Listen to this. Listen. Listen to what he says about the boat and the log. Listen. Listen. We go. Come on, we want to see it. Good, 22. Who's going to carry the boats and the logs? That's you, buddy. Come on, 23. He says it again. Come on, 24. Listen. One more, David. Who's one more to carry the boats? You're going to do it. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. You did it. Yeah. Who's going to carry the boats? Who's going to carry the boats and the logs? I was saying that today. Who's going to carry the boats and the logs? And my daughter's like, what the Maybe fuck? Like, like the day after that that posts on YouTube, just every guy 24-hour fitness, just chance of that throughout the gym. Dude, that's brilliance to me. Like a, a man who in his, like stuff like that I get obsessed with and I become like, I go, who's going to carry the boats and the logs? Is that someone's job? or I don't even know what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah. But I fucking saw that. And by the way, like sometimes when I eat with people, if I'm done eating and they're still eating, I'll ghost eat. I'll go like, um, <laughs> uh, like just 
I can't help it. Just I do it all it. the time. And when I was ghost working out, when he was doing that, I was going, <laughs> I was, my, my face is going. So it's just the video they posted of them working out? Them uh, shooting arrows, doing a run, and lifting <laughs> weights. He's one of my favorite hunters and easily one of my most inspirational people to watch is David Goggins. David Goggins, Cam Haynes, yeah. Alex Honnold, Jocko Willink. It's I, probably got so many views too, right? Huh? Dude, I'll tell you what. This morning it has 74,000. Right now it's got 139,000. Yeah, imagine trying to pitch that to a network exec. You're like, look, it's going to be some guy doing bench press and then his friend's going to shoot some arrows and they go, what's the story? There, There is none. It's We're going to end it with a guy who's going to carry the boat and logs. <laughs> Do you have a treatment? No, I'm just told you. I told you what it is. You're either in or you're out. And the guy, I don't think he has legs. And they just put it on YouTube, and it's just a smash. Fucking smash hit. Yeah. David Goggins tied himself up and jumped in the lake. <laughs> he tied himself up and jumped. He goes, "Sometimes I'm, I'm doing a David Goggins impression. Sometimes you need to not be afraid of things." And he just ties himself up and goes into a lake. And I'm like, ah. well, his arms and shit behind his back, ties his feet, ties his hands behind his back." Sitting on a dock and just falls into the water and then just swims, stays well, above he, water. He's just he's not touching the ground, nothing. He's just swimming, just dude. That's almost dangerous though. Some kid's gonna be inspired and be like, "I'm gonna do that," <laughs> and it just sinks like a rock. Go viral. Go, he's like, "Who's gonna carry the boats and the logs?" Kablonk, <laughs> and you just never see him again. <laughs> Bill, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like you know, honey, I'm home. There is a thing that happened, truthfully, with like Jackass and Johnny Knoxville and Steve-O with like kids going, oh, yeah. I'll just be the guy that puts the sure. firework on my head and then his head blew up. Oh, fuck. Oh. Who were your guys when you were a kid that you were like obsessed with, that you were like, oh, I can't get enough of this guy? Uh, I loved Phil Hartman. Dude, really? on SNL, he was my favorite. And that's kind of weird because I think most kids, because he was just such a sophisticated straight man and so nuanced and... Yeah, I don't think a lot of kids my age loved Phil Hartman um, no. growing up. I mean, I loved Farley. I loved Sandler and stuff. Like, I grew up on SNL, Simpsons, and, like, Conan. I feel like that was my comedy DNA. Because stand-up didn't really come on my radar till much later. I think I was 17, and I saw Delirious. I think you say Delia. Oh. <laughs> you know, I was 17, and then Delia made a big impact. No. Yeah. Delirious was fucking Delirious. Delirious was huge. It's a hate crime now. I know, yeah. That's the trouble. It's like, you can't apply today's standards and take people to task for what happened then if they were doing that today then sure you can look at it through today's lens and kind of be like oh it's interesting how we've evolved but yeah. you can't be like just you know crucify the person over like the way things were then just understand we've evolved but like this whole baby is cold outside stuff you know crazy yeah come on there's gotta be limits a statute of limitations oh it's like do you did you ever read anything about the chinese cultural revolution no by the way anyone listening right now i might be making all of this <laughs> up <laughs> i remember hearing it at a dinner party when i was in like college is uh my uncle represented china uh -huh. and so china had a cultural revolution i think I mean, are you looking this up austin do you have any info on this had a cultural revolution where they took anyone who was an academic anyone who had money the, the kids came in and they killed them all they threw them out windows. They fucking basically made it so that the dumbest person was as smart as the smartest person. There was no difference. It was mm -hmm. like true socialism, yeah. I think. Am I right, Halston? Yeah, I'm really and um, No, just wing it, man. You're doing great. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, fuck this fact checking. I like this version. <laughs> and so that's what I feel like we're going through right now where you see this like, like you said, it's like Delirious was of its time. That was what comedy was. Yeah. You know, uh, Kevin Hart tweeting out 10 years ago. Uh, I mean, I think, I, I, I mean, and to in all fairness, I think what he tweeted about his not wanting his son to be gay, uh-huh. I think that, that probably I don't find that to be hilarious. Sure. You know, I think I personally, sure. but I don't think at the same time, Tracy Morgan was saying he stabbed his son. It was, if he was right. gay. Uh-huh. And so part of the, part of me goes, yeah, you gotta get, it was a different time. Things were different back then. You know, even th- something that just says even up until 2012, kind of the way Twitter has evolved. Like even I know just, uh, when Twitter first came out, it's like knowing what we know about it now is very different than when it, it was new and it's in, in its infancy. And especially as comics, it was kind of uh, an open mic for jokes. Just you would have these fleeting thoughts as a comic and they were kind of like mixtapes for comedians. You wouldn't yeah. even think. You would just be like the same muscle that would happen just throwing an idea out on open mic, you would do for Twitter because maybe it would take off. It's just sort of like a lotto ticket. Like, oh, maybe this is a good idea. It's just a testing ground. Yeah. And when you do that, you know, you and I both know that if you just do that at a show, and it doesn't hit, you're like, oh, okay, it's just a swing that didn't connect. And no one will ever know about it. It just disappears into the ether. It's just one night. But Twitter, it's fucking fossilized. And so what, what is just like a missed swing? People think, oh, man, this is how Bert really thinks. This, this is, is how he opinion. views the world. Dude, He's trying I, to run for office. I lost a joke book, uh, of old joke book. And I'm one of the jokes in there. It had a lot of racist memorabilia stickers. <laughs> no, it had, it had a, a lot of, it had jokes I wrote in like 2004, yeah. 2005, yeah. which is a different time. I mean, one of the jokes was uh, that I, I, cause I'd read in this joke book looking for stuff. Some of the stuff I wrote in there, I was like, easy, man. What, like, what were you, were you just trying to start a fucking, yeah. an alt-right group? Isn't it funny? Like even um, like when you look at an old, like a picture of you from high school and you go, what kind of jeans were I wearing? The same is true of ideas. Like, you know, like we're looking at our brains, the, like the racist thoughts we had are like unwoke. Those are the Jinko genes of thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can't but, believe I was thinking those, but I would say this, I'd argue it this way to you is that I would argue that all of your thoughts, this is what I think they'd say. All your thoughts were probably seen as a kid an oppressed kid trying to fit in mm-hmm. where I think some white people's thoughts are of, are just old thoughts of the oppressor. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Sure. Like some of my jokes in there were like, I remember being like, God damn, like I'm really, I was really taking big swings. Like, did I think that was funny? Did I, did I, I think a lot of times, and sometimes you'll tell a joke and it won't really be funny. You won't even know that it's not funny. Yeah. Like, like I, yeah. I had a joke about, uh, this is, I didn't realize it was a bad joke because I was getting a laugh. Right. I think what I mistook as a laugh was really people going, holy fuck. <laughs> it was a gasp? Yeah. What you thought was like uproarious laughter was actually just a gasp? Yeah, the joke was, <gasps> uh, if don't ever go, if you're, if you're meet a girl and you want to get to know if you guys are compatible, don't go out on a first date to a movie or dancing or drinking because all that shit happens when you're married. Um, take her, uh, you and her go and uh, adopt a dog from the pound, then take it out to the woods and kill it together as a team. And then if you guys can drive home in silence and say goodbye and not fight, then you're, you're meant to be married. And and people were like, holy fuck. And I was like, yeah, it's doing good, r- real good. And so one of my friends was like, except for the dog killing part, like that really puts a face on <laughs> yeah, it. No like, shit. And I was like, like, that's a rule number one in Hollywood and entertainment in general. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hurt dogs. And I was like, wait, are you sure? And there's like, 
Well, I'm pretty certain. Like, you don't see it from where we see it. You're just looking at the first row of people that are like, oh, yeah. keep a smile plaster <laughs> on his face. He kills dogs. But all the dog haters love you. They, they come out. Dude, I've had so many times where you write a joke and you're just like, we're, I think I, I think it's a, I almost say, I'm glad I was trying to be edgy when I was younger and I'm glad I stopped because I think I will always be, there will be an edge, but I'm not trying. Trying to be edgy is. I think especially uh, when you first start out, you don't have enough of a skill set to truly be edgy. And it seems like artifice at the beginning. Yeah. Because you'll see a lot of guys who are a year or two in and they love Bill Hicks or something and they're doing their version of it, but they don't have enough life experience and stage experience to, for it to really be nuanced and to be good for what that is. It's not until you're much later in your career that you can, like what Bill Burr do is, does is truly edgy and you just need that time to kind of simmer in it and, and under, see things for what they are so you could truly be edgy. What was, what was the first joke you wrote that worked? Oh man, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I remember that far back. I remember one of them though, like one of the very early, early. What was your jokes. first? Yeah, yeah. Tell me that one. I'm trying to think, I was like, uh, oh, I kind of, I always love when I play with the audience's like sense of emotion and stuff. I'd be like, you know, my brother's. This is around uh, when you, they invaded uh, Afghanistan, I think. You know, I'm like, oh, my brother, or maybe it was Iraq. I go, uh, you know, my brother's fighting overseas right now, and everyone was like. Like, I go, let's give it up. Let's give it up for the troops and everybody. <laughs> and that's when it was so hacky and everyone, yeah. everyone was just a robot. When you say give it up for the troops, everyone's like. Yeah. I go, yeah, my brother's overseas fighting right now. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. I go, yeah. I mean, he, he writes home all the time. And the, the last letter he wrote to us, you know, detailed how he and his unit came under heavy enemy fire. But, you know, luckily he was able to blow up two U.S. tanks. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and then I go, ah, oh, it's too late. You already clapped for him. <laughs> it's too late. You already clapped for him. Way to support the enemies, guys. <laughs> yeah, it was just the old switcheroo and shit, you know? It was just, yeah. I mean, they knew it was tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. And then I think I would say that I'd perform for, like, the troops. Like, I would do USO, and then I would hop over the fence and perform for, for Al-Qaeda just to, like, double dip. <laughs> Might as well get two paychecks yeah, just get two one. paychecks. <laughs> I remember having, uh, I remember right when the war started, I had... Uh, lunch with I probably should not say his name will you take his name out of that can you remember to do that do you think I'll get roasted for that joke I used to no, have no, no, no 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 but uh, but I don't want to say his name because I'm about to say something uh, for real make sure to please make sure his name's taken out of it okay <laughs> we're having lunch right when the war started I was like man I go the guy I'm working with is like this whole fucking first chunk is about giving enough for the troops and uh, what's his name's like, dude? I hate the troops. <laughs> I go really. He goes, yeah. Everyone in high school that is a that was in that now joined the military was horrible to me. <laughs> and I was like, really? He goes, yeah. And my my cousin just joined. You know why he joined? Because he murdered a man. <laughs> he was like, I'm not, I I can't have a really hard time giving it up for them. And I was laughing so hard. I go, you should talk about that on stage. He goes, they'd murder me, Bert. Like they could not talk yeah, about that on yeah. stage. I fucking laughed. So fucking hard. I was we were eating. Uh, what's the the sausage place in in uh, in Chicago where they dip oh, the oh, sandwiches? Oh, oh, fuck, man. Portillo's. Yeah, we we're Portillo's, and I was laughing so fucking hard because he was not joking. I, I don't like them. They were horrible <laughs> to me in high school. <laughs> so when how did you meet? Um, how did you meet? Um, my favorite fucking guy on uh, Netflix right now. 
Oh, Hassan? Hassan, yeah, you mean Hassan. Uh, just comics in LA, man. Like, he was still living in the Bay Area. I think I had moved to LA from Seattle. I was working at Boeing still, so. And he you went was, to Boeing? Yeah, I was an engineer for a bit, for like three and a half years. Hold on. Yeah. Let's put a pin in. in <laughs> All right, we'll put a pin Hassan. in Hassan. Yeah, sure. Wait, you, what do you mean you were an engineer? You t- That's what I went to school for. For It was just like a very uh, calculated way to do stand-up. Like I knew I was, I was doing it when I was 18. I had to go to college. My parents were going to pay for college, and engineering was like the lowest degree I could get and have them still pay for it because I wanted to do theater and shit. And in hindsight, I'm glad that they nixed that because, look, I'd be eating out of a dumpster right now if I got a theater degree, really. Yeah. You know? So I'm glad that I got something with teeth that allowed me then I just applied to jobs in Southern California to get me out here got a job at Boeing in Long Beach and I would work by day and I would just drive up to Hollywood at night and just I double lifed it for like three and a half years who are we just talking to that was a that was a, no someone was like a oh I'm a biochemical engineer yeah. Brooks was it Brooks it's Brooks yeah yeah, Brooks yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I like it's like a secret society of engineers who are comedians now that's fucking crazy yeah yeah he's like oh yeah I was, uh, was a uh, fucking I remember I remember when he was working and stuff then were you working because we would like talk about it a little bit just yeah really so you you got a job and you'd drive up so i'd work my day i was living in long beach and then after i'd punch out i'd go home for a bit and then i would drive up to the comedy store and just do like bar shows shitty bar shows i would do some stuff in orange county as well it was just work my whole life would always be school and stand-up and then when i got a job it was just work and stand-up really yeah until i got to the point where i could just do this and acting and writing full time but it took three and a half years of like legit working in a cubicle and stuff and would and would you would you what would you what was your day-to-day like like what was your job what was your job what stress analysis for the 747-8 passenger and freighter floor beams yeah (laughs) so when you walk to your when you walk to your seat you're welcome. <laughs> so it was, how do you do stress analysis? Do you just push down on it? I mean, uh, no, it was computational. So pretty much you, like they would have an FEA model of the plane, like the, in different load cases that the plane would experience. So you have takeoff, that's a load. Landing, that's a load. There's thousands of load cases. There's like banking. There's really? like windstorm. Yeah, yeah. So just computational models of, of the stresses the plane sees. And then you have the geometry of your part and you see if it would Just fail. Just your part. Yeah, because we were floor beams. There's wing group. There's fuselage. Yeah, there's different groups. And so w- yeah. were yours the strongest out of all the things in the plane? <laughs> like, I'm going to make mine stronger than all of them. Yeah, like, it's like I mean, way thicker than everybody else. Is there else. one where you're like, well, you don't have to worry about getting that strong and the wings are going to break off first? Nah, I mean, it's all, it's all pretty procedural. Like, uh, the thing is, I think, uh, as a rule of thumb, most people are smarter in college than when they actually get their job. Because yeah. you have to be pretty well rounded. Like I knew, I knew about thermodynamics. I knew about statistics, electricity. I don't even know what thermodynamics is. Well, heat your HVAC system and everything, just heating and cooling, and yeah. What, what is there to need to know other than? Well, you don't just turn the switch. Yeah, yeah. What do you need to know? <laughs> well, you're on the consumer end, so you know enough. <laughs> you don't have to know what's happening. Wait. Just know that your food is cold in the fridge. Yeah. And science people like me made it possible. <laughs> You never, that? you never wonder how the magical box keeps your food cold. I, <laughs> You're like, no, no, I just, I just yeah. close the door and it's cold. Wait, how does and a I open it? How does a refrigerator work? Is it? I've, I'm so dumb, man. I forget. Yeah, it's about like coolant going through coils and shit and coolant heat transfer going through coil. I know that. I know that it's we like the same way your radiator works and stuff. You know, we used to have a refrigerator that the coils would freeze up, and we had to. They would ice over, and once they iced over, it no longer kept the fridge cold anymore. Uh, and so we would. Ha- I had to figure out how to de-ice those coils 
That's about as smart as I got. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much there too. Like I've gotten dumber. It feels like a dream. Like my time as an engineer, as a student and people are like, do you miss it? <laughs> I'm like, no. So if you like, literally <laughs> the day, the day I wasn't there anymore, it's like it never happened. Really? Yeah. You just walked away. How did you quit? Did you just like piss on a desk and grab a Almost, goldfish? man. You know, because the way it happened was, so I was working there and then I had a few things come up to where my ideal situation when I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel was all right, let me get to a point where it becomes pretty obvious that I have to leave my job. Like my job is holding me back from what I really want to do now. Like I, I, I was hoping that I would get to a point where it's that binary. Yeah. And it kind of did get to that point where I had gotten really far in this NBC standard for diversity competition thing. And then, so I had some colleges booked, but the main thing, and then I booked one, like uh, a guest star on Chuck that was pretty big. And then, but the big thing was I booked this uh, MTV show called Disaster Date which is like when you fuck around with, it's like boiling points for dating. Yeah. So they would need me for three months to shoot this thing. And I have a, I have a job. I'm like, fuck, how am I going to get off for three months? So I tried to do a leave of absence because I, I, I didn't want to swim completely away from the buoy. I wanted to do the thing. And then, I, by the way, I love that analogy. That's my favorite analogy. Oh, really? Ever. Yeah. I do, I do that with stand-up. I consider it, I call it a, bo- I call it a boat. See how far I can ah, swim away from the boat yeah. with material. The boat's my ah. material, but I swim away. That it's great. Yeah, I love that analogy. Same, yeah, man. keep going. I apologize. No, no, no. So I, I, just, I didn't want to like completely quit. So I was like, "Can I?" I go, "Can I take a leave of absence?" And then they were like, "No, you can't do that." And then yeah, I was just trying to figure out any way where I could just take three months off and then come back. And they were shooting down every suggestion. I'm like, fuck, what do I do? And then I was reading up on unemployment and I saw that uh, <laughs> like you can't, you can't collect unemployment if, uh, if you quit. So I'm like, oh, okay, I can't quit. I need them to fire me. <laughs> so, so I'm like, how do I get fired? But uh, I didn't want to you know, piss on the desk or anything. So then in, in my brilliant scheme, I was like, all right, let me... Uh, I just sent an email. I go, even though they told me I couldn't do this, I go, I will be gone from this day and I plan on returning and I put the date that I would be back. And then I sent the email to everybody and I left the office and I just incommunicado. I didn't answer (laughs) any calls and they kept on trying to get a hold of me. They they tried to just so that they could tell me they couldn't. I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. If I'm going to not work there anymore, I want to die by their sword. I don't want to die by mine so I can collect unemployment. I want to yeah. be terminated. So some time passed with them being unable to contact me. And then finally I got a letter in the mail that said, you've been terminated. And I, I, so I just opened up that letter. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It says, you, you've been day. terminated. Oh, did you get accepted to college? No, I got fired. <laughs> I got fired. But I found out later I could have collected unemployment from the MTV job. It wouldn't even be from the Boeing job. So I didn't oh. even need to leave that way. Oh yeah, but whatever. Dude, I found out. I found out that unemployment, uh, little catch twenty two. The day after I, the day after I, got fired and too embarrassed to be fired, I told him I quit. And the guy brought me into the office at Barnes and Noble, and he's like, uh, you know, you understand that we have. I was working out in the basement, my underwear, and he was like, you know, we have cameras here, <laughs> and I was like. I was like, no, I didn't know that. And he goes, you're fired. And I go, that's okay, I quit. And he goes, what did you say? I said, I quit. I said, I don't, I don't even want this fucking job. And he was like, cool, awesome, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I went, you're welcome. And I walked out and I told my friends, like, he fired me. But in the last ditch effort, I hail Mary pass, I quit. And they're like, oh, you should have had him fire. You could collect unemployment. And I was like, oh, fuck. 
I was like, no wonder he was like, cool. Yeah. Cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah, fucking Dwayne. Oh, fuck. I wonder what ever happened to that guy. He was a cunt. He's probably thriving. He First day of work, he showed up to my, the information desk where I was, and he was like, hey, what do you do again? I said, I'm a comedian. And he goes, no, you work at Barnes & Noble. Don't ever forget oh, it. Oh, that's like some shit out of a movie. Uh, like some yeah. 80s movie. I think I just talked about this Is he this part somewhere. of Cobra Kai? No, he was a black dude. And uh, he asked Hey, there could be black guys in Cobra Kai, man. Come on. It's 2018. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Open yeah, your yeah, mind, yeah. dude. <laughs> they don't have that policy anymore. Cobra Kai is very... Very and they're the good guys now. I don't know if you've seen the reboot. They're the I good have guys. not seen the reboot. It's actually really good. Really? Brad Ernst is, is in it? it? Yeah, it's yeah. great. Um, what was I going to say? There was. A, I feel like I've talked about this somewhere. There was a gay guy that worked there. I think his name is Andrew or something. And uh, when Dwayne did that to him, he goes, what do you do for a living? And Andrew goes, I just came out of the closet. <laughs> and Dwayne was like, okay. <laughs> and just walked away. And I was like, you didn't, he, he normally says, you know you work at Parts of Noble, but he couldn't change it. I just came out of the closet. That guy was so much fun. He goes, no. You work at Barnes and Noble. He's like, I'm like, I guess I have to pretend to be straight again. That too. Oh wait, I'm straight. <laughs> oh shit. He, he asked me if I wanted to be a manager. He's like, uh, we did this morning seminar thing at Barnes and Noble, and he goes, he has done. Everyone's walking out. And he goes, can I talk to you for a second? I go, yeah. And he goes, uh, you went to you went to college. I said I did. He said, you have a degree in creative writing. I said, yep. And he goes, um. What are you doing here at Barnes and Noble? I said, I'm just, you know, trying to make a little money while I try to get into stand up. And he was like, Why don't I get you into the management program? And I guess the reaction I had was reflective of what I thought of him and his life. Because I was like, uh, Oh, no oh, fucking way. He thought go, he was doing you the biggest solid and like taking you under his wing. Yeah, and, and I thought we were just two dudes who had a similar job, not realizing he was a manager. And I was like, Dude, who the fuck wants to be a manager at Barnes and Noble? And he looked at me like, I do. And I was like, Oh yeah, oh shit! This is before Amazon smashed them. Oh, dude, I we I, this is this is all one of the million things wrong with me. We were the ones in that in Astor Place, Barnes and Noble, that got the brand new system, the brand new system to research books, and they came in and they taught us how to use this brand new system. I mean, it was like it was groundbreaking, really, it was because it really incorporated the internet in two thousand, no, nineteen ninety eight, and incorporated the internet into this system and they were like this is going to be across the country in Barnes and Noble and then every time after that for maybe 10 fucking years anytime I was at a Barnes and Noble and I started to and I needed a book I was like let me just give me the computer I got it and I'd bang it in because I knew how to operate it yeah and uh they'd be like oh I was like I was at the uh, flagship company that ingratiated this into the system. I was so obnoxious about it because it was like the only bragging yeah. rights I've ever had in life. Like, trust you're, me. You're like the Steve Wozniak of Barnes and Noble. An ISBN. Is that what it is? Oh, An ISBN. Yeah. I know, even I know ISBN, yeah. Is that is that how you find it? Yeah, I just hear that term all the time, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, wait. So, let's get back to Hassan. Yeah. So, we were both kind of in the same point of record, like I was still having a day job and he was he was working at this place called Ning or something it was like when MySpace was big and then trying to artists would try to have MySpaces of their own it'd be like their own network so he was doing Silicon Valley stuff a little bit but dabbling in stand-up as well but he was living in the I Bay. never I never even heard of him Hassan I never oh, even really? heard of him in well he was Sil- out in LA that's how we met each other well we met when he was in the Bay Area but then he moved to LA and we would see each other just in the stand-up scene and we were friends that way and then 
Me and Aristotle. Have you met Aristotle before? He, he hangs up at the comedy store sometimes. I have. I have. I, I almost certainly have. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So me and Aristotle started making YouTube sketches because I was making YouTube sketches on my own when I first moved to LA and it was hard to get on stage just because you might be funny in a smaller market like Seattle or something and the cream rises relatively fast because yeah. it's not oversaturated. But once you move to a New York or an LA, there's a huge bottleneck and like I, and you have to, it's starting over again, but you know, you know how to write a joke. That's the only difference. But I was just creatively backlogged. And then this is when YouTube sketch was kind of a thing. Like it was a viable um, way to kind of get seen and things would go viral and stuff. So I, I started making YouTube videos <clears throat> while still doing stand up. And then Aristotle had seen a few of them and he's like, I think they're really, they're great, man. He goes, I, I direct, I didn't know he went to USC film school and is like a talented director and has a great eye. So then we teamed up together for this one video called Domino's. That was the first video we did together. Was it online still? It's online, yeah. Wait, it's, can I see it? I mean, it's too long. Please watch How long it. Is it. How long is it? It's like five or six minutes. It's, it's yeah. It just looks so beautiful when it makes the turn and everything. And after we did that video, we just struck a friendship and it was a great, it's like when you find your bandmate, you know? Yeah. Like my writing and his directing and I really came together and I'm I think we made some right now. We Hold made on. some great shit. Oh yeah, this is great. Already I'm like, oh wow, great. And this this is when uh great Dom establishing shot. Yeah. <laughs> when when Domino's was trying to do that thing, the focus groups, like we know our pizza is trash. Yeah. So you know they have these focus groups like, <laughs> we're sorry about our pizza being trash in the past. We're making some updates. So it's kind of like they would they would kind of confront people and be like, "You wrote this about Domino's Pizza. Why don't you try the the pizza now?" So it's kind of a play on that. Yeah. But whatever, the video did really well. It went viral and stuff. I think it went on Reddit. And then some of them did, some of them didn't. But the relationship and the the collaboration stayed. And then we added uh, Hassan and Asif Asif Ali to the group, just because it felt like more of an angle, like four brown dudes with very American sensibilities very who were born American. here. We could do mainstream shit like this Domino's thing, or we could talk about the Brown experience in a smart way, in a nuanced way, because like SNL can't do that, you know? They don't have the yeah. racial composition to do it. Yeah. And so we did internet sketch for like two years, and I think we were just too early, man. This is before Trump got elected. This is before we were just, our people were in the news every day, in the news cycle, and just suits couldn't see it at the time. We would take these meetings, and they'd be like, why are you four Brown guys? Which is like something you wouldn't ask a four white sketch group, you know? Yeah, you'd never like, yeah, you never, you just accept it for what it is. Hassan gets busy with Daily Show, so he's in New York, and then we're doing everything on our own, like our own money, like Hassan was running Boom, Aristotle's doing Lights, we, we have no support, it's our own money, Yeah. and you get burnt out after two years, and then he gets Daily Show, and we all get busy with other shit, we live our lives, our profile's kind of raised just in our own lanes, and then his especially with Daily Show and then the Correspondence Dinner and then his his uh, Netflix Homecoming King it was a great slingshot. He kind of gets to a new level. And then Comedy Central, I think he had dinner with, with one of the people and they were like, do you have anything you want to do? And he goes, goat face back in the day. Like, this is a great thing that me and my boys do. We would love to do something with that. Yeah. And then they were like, yeah. So it was pretty much pretty fast green light. And we got, I didn't even realize I was walking to the comedy store one day and his manager's like, oh, they want to do goat face. And I thought it was dead. I'm like, what? They go, yeah, they, they want to do a goat face special. I'm like, that's fucking awesome. It's weird. Sometimes you just push, 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 and nothing happens. And that's... then other times things just fall from the sky. 
this 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 uh, industry is so strange that way. It's so fuck. And then once it starts falling from the sky, they're all, it starts raining, and you're like, like I've found that the second you're like, I've actually given up on that. Mm-hmm. That's when everyone's like, oh yeah, man. Now we really want to do For it. Sure. Yeah. And so they just they wanted to do a special at first. Uh, or I think that's uh, yeah, it was a one. That was always the intent. It was like a one-hour sketch special. So I think they can turn it into more. Um, we'll see. I think it's in front of the paywall now. So so that means you don't need a Comedy Central login to as of the thirteenth. Maybe that's tomorrow. You can just watch it as is with the link. So I'm happy yeah. about that because people who see it really like it, man. Like AV Club gave it an A minus, and usually they just rip everything apart. Yeah. And I'm really happy with with what we got to make. I don't think there's anything out there like it. I'm head writer on it. I'm in it. My boys are in it. It's it's great. I'm really happy with What's the way it What's your favorite sketch in it right now? M- mine is it's mine's kind of weird. maybe the the NRA one or uh, there's probably three of them. Baba knows best. Baba the knows. N- the NRA Image Awards <laughs> or, <laughs> or um, fuck man. There's a lot of them. the turbans one. Wrangler turbans is really funny. And then there's this one a shootout where it's like an action scene. It's like a CSI thing. That that's my personal favorite. <laughs> but yeah, what they'll probably throw the link up or something. Just just watch the whole thing. I think top to bottom, it's great. Yeah. yeah. What, what, no. What What do you What do you want to do? Like, what's your What's your end game? Yeah. Like, like best case scenario, where do you end up in this business? Best case scenario. Man, you know it's shifted. Man. Like when I was a it, younger, it comic. shifts so much, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Especially with like, like what you're doing is very inspiring. You know, like, mm. and it's been a recent turn. You know, just like guys like you, guys like. You know, Ari Shafir, Rogan, Theo more recently as well. Sometimes you forget just because the model shifts when when we're starting out. Like, okay, I've got to act in all these things and maybe get on a sitcom and all that. And, and you're always just tap dancing for everybody else. And you lose sight of the value you have as a performer. Like, and this is such a direct to the people way to connect to the fans. And, and you're really taking ownership of your own career. And that's become more exciting to me as I've gotten older, just kind of having a base of stand-up, a podcast, and, you know, the goat face thing is great, but those are offshoots of of what you have as your core. You have your core fans through stand-up and your podcast as a way for them to connect with you, and yeah. and it's fun to do that. Um, but ultimately, I think it would be great to be able to do, you know, like Ricky Gervais or Larry David, where you're a writer, actor, director. I love that shit. Like, I want to do that too. Yeah, I have no interest in. Um, I have no. I shouldn't say no interest. I have very little interest in just acting in someone's project. Yes, same. Like that's become less alluring to me nowadays. Writing, acting, and directing my own stuff is the holy grail. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, like, what would you be? What would you want? Like, if they could say, give you a sitcom. If they, if they said, we're going to give you a hundred order sitcom tomorrow. Uh-huh. What would you make it of? Like sketch show, man. I love sketch. sketch. Show. Like this goat face thing I did. Yeah, I was a duck in water, man. Cause I have all the, I just, I think in standup and I think in sketch. Really? They come fully formed to me. You know how I'm jealous of music. Like I love music and I'm so envious of people who just, they see a song in their mind and they can just, you know, see it to fruition. I don't have that, but I have it with comedy in terms of standup and sketch. And I just like to lean into that. Yeah. I feel like I, I think sometimes I think in terms of, silliness mm-hmm. where like silly first i was i'm the I, same way yeah I, I love silly dude I, ru- I love silly i don't i'm not a super serious comedian um i don't want and then and sometimes i think in like i was listening to this interview with Marin did with uh jeff tweedy from wilco and he was saying um 
how do you write music? Which I, I really find interesting when I hear musicians say it. And then I was, and in that I was like, yeah, how do I write comedy? And Jeff Tweedy was like, sometimes I'll just figure out the song on my guitar and I'll hum where I know the words should be. And then one day I just sit down and I go, all right, so what are those hums going to be? Yeah. And I was like, I do that with comedy. I kind of hum where the joke should sound like. And then I just figure out what will the words be? Yeah. <laughs> just, hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. there's a magic to <laughs> maybe your best joke. You don't even remember. Like, think about a joke you wrote a, a year ago. You don't even remember how you came to it. I but can you know, almost, it, I can almost can you, you tell can? you, I can almost tell you how I came up with all my jokes. I'm not that way, man. But I think, but cool. I, a lot of problem, the problem is a lot of my jokes are stories. Ah, uh, okay. Um, yeah, are, I'm bad at that. Like I'm envious of guys who could just spin a yarn. Like I'm sure you're fucking great on this is not happening. Like I've already been like, Hey, you should do it. But I'm, I don't have, I'm not a good storyteller or it's just a different gear. It's a different, it's a, it's a massively different muscle. Yeah. Um, especially if you like. You have a you have a little bit of a in many respects of what you do on stage. You, uh-huh. You're very very multitasked, ta- multifaceted on stage. Oh, thanks, man. You can come at it with a different character, with things that I could never uh-huh. fucking do. When I first saw um, Lance or what? When I first saw Lance, I didn't. I first I didn't even know it was you. Oh, uh, did, did you meet Lance first, or did you meet me first? I m- might have met Lance first. <laughs> That's funny. And I was, but I was. Fucking you, you you tweeted the documentary, which is really cool. Thanks for doing that. Dude, I was in the back of the I was in the back of the OR, I think, watching uh-huh. Lance, and I was fucking mesmerized. <laughs> and I came out and I was like, dude, that who the fuck is that? So because it's just Fahim, and I went, What? <laughs> and I was like, hold on, hold on one second. And then I think I went home that night and I watched the documentary and I was like, this is fucking amazing. I go, my brain does not think that way. It does not think that way. That's the thing with comedy. You, you kind of envy, like a lot of the guys I envy are, are things that I can't do. You know, like sometimes I'll see David Cross or something. And I'm like, fuck, I can't, I can't do that. And yeah. I think we just have this affinity for, for things that, I don't know, are outside of our skill set or whatever. I just find that. But it's such a fucking, how did that happen? The store, man. The store just bre- It's one of those special places. What, it was totally by accident. Describe Lance if you Lance can't stop us. And it's kind of... I love that you didn't even know it was me because it happens a lot, man. Yeah. It's just a mullet and a wife beater. <laughs> but that's enough to... Dude, people it's, don't it's, even know it's me. It's crazy. No, but, you're, but your face is different. Yeah, the way I carry myself The way you shit, carry people, yourself. The way I talk. You're just, a big smiler. I so guess like you have so. A really, you have a really large smile. Uh-huh. And... and just as the intensity. Oh, yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, just the, like chest out and it's just like uber confidence and stuff. And uh, yeah, I love blind confidence. It's so funny to me. So visually, this character existed for this music video, this Das Racist music video. It's called Girl. So we, so visually, I had the mullet. I had the wife beater. And then Willie Hunter was having this variety show in the main room at the comedy store. And he goes, hey, do you want to dance on it? Cause like I, I dance a little bit for a comedian. I'm okay, I guess. And, uh, I go, I'd be weird if I just dance on your show as me. That's kind of like weird and sad. Yeah. I go, can I do this character? Like I'll dress up, I'll dress up and dance for this, your variety number. He goes, yeah, yeah, that's fine. He goes, what's his name? I'm like, uh, Lance. <laughs> Cause it rhymes with dance. <laughs> and I'm like, can't stop. Like you can't, can't stop all this. He goes, all right. So we put him on the, the, the comedy store website, <laughs> like Lance Canstopoulos. <laughs> so Willie does his variety show in the main room. And then like, ladies and gentlemen, Lance Canstopoulos. 
and then I just do this kind of dance number to Chromio's. You, you really I, are a great dancer. I guess so. My buddy Eddie. The, the bar is very low for comics, though. No, my buddy Eddie Fernandez is one of the best, like one of the like, meaning if you did Dancing with the Stars, you'd uh-huh. fucking win. Like one of those like, like I'm not classically trained or anything. I no, just, but I, no, but you, but your your body is meant to dance. This is true. There's this is what I tell women. <laughs> My body's built to dance, so you know. So wait, keep going. I'm sorry. No, not at all. So I do this dance number to Chromio's Night by Night. It's like a comedic dance number when the guitar riff comes out, like Dan Madonia comes out with his long hair, and we have a leaf blower, and it's just it's just like fun. It's fun for the sake of fun. So I'm just floating around the comedy store, still dressed like this guy, you know. And this is in the dark ages of the comedy store. No one's coming around. And there, uh, I think Brenton Biddlecombe comes up to me and he goes, hey, like no one's in the OR. Like, uh, we, do you want to go up? <laughs> and there's maybe five people in the crowd. It's pretty late at night now. I go, and I'm still dressed like this. I'm like, yeah, all right. I never turn down stage time. I'm yeah. like, yeah, sure. And then in my mind, as I'm walking to the OR, I go, I can't talk like this with a fucking mullet. <laughs> And like a wife bit, I'm like, how you guys doing? <laughs> like, like, why? <laughs> People would be like, why is this happening? Yeah. Why does this guy sound like this and look like this? Does he not know? <laughs> so I'm like, I got to do an accent or something. Like just a... So then I get on stage and there's these like cougars in the crowd drinking like champagne. And I'm just like, what's up? How are you guys doing? Yeah. Ladies night or what's up? <laughs> so I'm just talking to them. Yeah. And there's hardly anybody in the room, but I'm getting a type of laugh that sort of a type of laugh when you when you grew up with your brothers or sisters and it cuts through thinking it's just uh it's just magical there's there's no pause between the words and like the mental gymnastics so oh that's clever it's yeah, just yeah. fucking to the chest comedy it's just funny it's, it's just, just funny yeah. it'll be a look it'll it'll be a shrug yeah and that's what's kind of fun about it is because like i'm a heady guy sometimes i'll have a joke and it's a different thing but with lance you just show up and it's like you're laughing with your friends in college <laughs> or it, ladies night. <laughs> yeah. So there was, it was its infancy of it in its time. It took me doing it with some regularity to really like refine it and hone the character and everything. Yeah. Cause it would be kind of spotty. Sometimes it wouldn't do well, but the more I did it, the more I kind of just embodied the guy and realized I don't even need jokes. Really. It's just showing. It's like knowing the person so well, it's this other thing. Like, we have jokes and we know how they go and those are kind yeah. of, those are our buoys that we yeah. can swim to and everything. But with character work, it's almost like it's not about the jokes. You don't need the buoy. The buoy is knowing the character innately. Yeah. And however you re- however you react is the right answer. That's just what he would do. And it's being the character is however funnier than anything you say. Is the right answer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking brilliant. Yeah. However you react is yeah. the right answer. Like, that's that's of course what Lance would do, and that's why he would just. Part of the the coal of the the train, because they would announce like Lance can't stop us, and then I would dance for like a minute up top, because they would just play some electronica music, and then Lance is just dancing <laughs> for a minute, and it's so fun because look, you got fucking like Rogan, you've got all these heavy hitters, and then <laughs> this guy with a mullet's dancing <laughs> for a minute, and it really sets the tone that like nothing serious. You could turn your brains off, dude. I enjoyed it so much. I was sitting in the back, doubled over. <laughs> going like this fucking amazing and then someone's like you didn't know yeah it's like no what by the way i told that story back to someone uh-huh. and i told it so much bigger than it happened uh-huh. that they were like that that's impossible i said no i'm swear to god this is just how i go i go i'm standing in the i standing on in the in the i just get off stage and i'm standing in the hallway and literally 
this Greek guy <laughs> hops over the fence. You know the fence where he hops over the fe- the wall? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like hands over like a pommel horse <laughs> yeah. and slides over and struts past me into the OR, gets on stage and starts dancing. I'm double the fucking over. And I, I go through the whole thing and then I literally... He walks out with a cigarette, and they're like, "None of this happened." He didn't have a cigarette in his mouth. I, I go, I, I go, dude, this was. And then I, and then I, I went home. I watched the documentary. I was like, "This is fucking hilarious." Like, then he flicked the cigarette, and then it blew up. I guess there were some gas tanks around. I was like, I wish I had the balls to do something like that because it it takes real balls to show up at the store. And especially, I thought about this: the timeline of the the order of operations for this to happen. I'm kind of fortunate it happened the way it did, because. I earned my stripes and I had a lot of goodwill built at the comedy store just based on comedy and like late night. And I was, I was like loved at that place just for, as Fahim and like writing new material and just being like a comic constantly grinding and working on his craft. And then the Lance thing kind of happened later. Sometimes I think like if Lance had happened before Fahim was developed, people would fucking hate me. Yeah. Cause it's, it's almost, it seems like a shortcut. Dude, it, I think it happens to people. Yeah, so it was kind of nice to people know that I'm legit as a regular comic, and then the Lance thing is just sort of like a cherry on top. Whereas if it went the other way around, they'd be like, "Yeah, he's a one trick pony." Yeah, oh, yeah, he can't do it as himself. You know who I was looking at? I was watching uh, last, maybe this morning, who I'm like, who I really, really, really enjoy because I go, he has embraced silly 100, percent and he's taken one thing and spanned it into like 19 different things and really busting his ass is um jeremiah oh yeah dude jeremiah was doing this fucking uh ultimate the ultimate a warrior ultimate thing. warrior stand-up comedy and i was giggling so hard in bed going like i don't have that in me i would have when i was younger i would have definitely love to experiment with shit like that yeah i think i probably did i think i mean but that's the beauty of you know the anonymity and the comedy store and that special time in the place where i mean you could still do it now jeff jeff what's his name jeff uh richards oh okay yeah he yeah. does crazy stuff yeah, too yeah, where you're yeah. like you're like god damn it i wish i could i think for the club scene uh there is there the comedy store does have some alt dna in there you know because this type of shit doesn't really happen at the improv. It doesn't happen at the factory. It's very. No, it's it's never the factory. Yeah. I think comedy store. Like the experimental element of it. There's there's a spirit of that at the comedy store. Who was at the store when you started? What was your group? Who, who's there? I think like Tony was a door guy. Um, I mean, Dalia vouched for me, so he he got in before me like a few years. He he got me in there. Who else is like Gerard, Melissa, Francisco? Who else is in my class? It's Jade a little bit. I'm trying to think. Uh, Benji, Esther. Wow. Yeah. What an what an interesting group. I always look at like uh, I wish they had class photos. Byron, they do. Uh, because it took a long time for them to start putting names on the wall again. Yeah. But I think my cl- I have a photo. I think Moshe's there, and but it's different though because there's when you got past, and then there's all people you when you got past could be different than who you came up with as well. You know what I mean? There could be yeah. someone who got past who doesn't even come around the comedy store, but they're like famous or something. Yeah. 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 I don't, I, I, I forget who was with me when my name went up. Like Brent Morin, Jason Collins. These are like, yeah. That's an interesting group. Yeah. That's a really, did you start off at the haha? No, I never really. Yeah. Cause I was in long beach. It was too far North. Oh and, yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Um, 
Well, fuck, dude. That this has been a fucking great podcast. Thanks, I appreciate man. It, thanks man. for having me. I, you made me giggle so many times. <laughs> thanks. And you're, there's something about you that when you even when you tell a story, you have the same energy I have. Uh-huh. Where I love to laugh. Yeah. And I think, uh, dude, it's I'm just. It's a, one thing I'm happy about having this podcast is I get to meet people like you and sit down for like two hours for and sure. just bullshit. Yeah. Because man, I you had me howling, laughing on that fucking video. Thanks, that dude. That fucking guy. I was so. And like you, you know, people always go like, "Oh, thanks for the free content. Thanks for the podcast. I laughed. I laughed all day." And you go, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." It means nothing. Uh-huh. And then when it happens to you, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is fucking awesome!" I can't wait to watch that Domino's video. Thanks, dude. So yeah. what do you have to? Any dates coming up? Any anything to promote? Um, we got Goat Face. Yeah, Goat Face. So check that out. I think it's in front of the paywall. You don't need the Comedy Central login anymore. So just search for Goat Face. And then my one-hour special, I think Comedy Central licensed it, so you can watch that for free. It's up on there. It's called There's No Business Like Show Business. Or you can watch it on Amazon Prime. It's up there, too. You can watch it on Amazon Prime? Yeah. And then, uh, and then I have a podcast called Fahim Anwar Dance Hour. <laughs> yeah. What do you do? What do I do? I mean, it sounds like a, it's, I did Marin, you know? And then when I... He's one of those guys where I say the name of my podcast and I could almost feel his eyes rolling. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, maybe he didn't mean it. Maybe I'm projecting, but he's like, I'm like, it's called the He-Man or Dance Hour. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a comic who dances. Like, what are you doing? When, but, did that, when, when did you just do it? What, the podcast? Yeah, my Marin's? Yeah, it's, oh, Marin I did maybe like three weeks ago. It, it hasn't yet. dropped yet. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I've been... I've been scouring his for some good podcasts. He does some great interviews. Oh, I know. I, I think, it was like, yeah, I couldn't believe like, because I see him in the hallways and shit, but I never say hi or anything. And even mentioned that. He's like, oh yeah, I see you around. How come you don't say hi? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to overstep my bounds. And I'm sure everyone does to you. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather someone not know me than have a bad opinion of me. You know what I mean? Dude, I'm t- I, I've said that to a lot of people. A lot of people approach me and, and, ask me to get them in with joe or tom or someone like some people hey man can you meet tom oh you want me to burn my relationship oh okay cool you want me to blow up my bridge for you and i'm always like i'm like or like hey man can you get me on joey's podcast i'm like nah that's not how it works i'm so sorry like i like i'm not gonna because i mean any of those guys if they hit me up and they were like hey man will you have this guy on your podcast i'd do it but i'd be like i'm doing this as a favor to them yeah there's there's Sometimes people forget that there's this organic way for things to happen and there's, you want it to happen that way. You don't want this artificial way because then it's not lasting. Yeah. I go, dude, let, I, I just hang out. They'll find you. Yeah. Like you don't, don't rush sure. it. It's, it, it's, you're, we're all in the same if fucking If you're place. in it, it'll happen. Yeah. And you'd much rather someone go like, oh my God, I just watched your special. You're fucking amazing. As opposed to like, hey, this guy's amazing. Right. Because even if you get what you want and you're on the thing, you're going to have a disinterested. Yeah. <laughs> Like, how good is that podcast going to be? Yeah. The Favor podcast. The Favor path. Oh, yeah. I guess you do something. Tell me how that goes. And you want brothers, <laughs> sisters? Oh, that's great. For three hours. Do you think you'd do, uh, do you think you'd do a tour with, uh, with, uh, Goat face? with, with, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. If that, if that's a thing that's out there, if there's a demand for it, you know, sure. But then you also want to build yourself as well, you know. Like I've been yeah. doing stand up a long time, and the one hour special was great. The, the Goat face thing is nice to have a footprint in the sketch world. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Just stay busy. Any road dates planned? What do I have? No, I mean, I, we had a thing in New York just to premiere Goatface, but I'm just around town right now, just building. I'm jealous. Comedy store, Laugh Factory, improv, and onesie twosie shit here and there. Dude, well, I tweeted out Domino. I'm gonna watch <laughs> nice. it as soon as you leave. Cool. Thank you so much for doing. Thanks this for having me, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah.
This episode was brought to you by The Machine.